Your lips can do a whole lot more than kiss. Your lips express love and speak your truth. Plump your lips with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC for natural-looking results that are completely and uniquely you. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there is a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1 where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. In the Know, the Bourbon Street Shots Podcast. We're your hosts, Shemit Dua and Mason Ginsberg, and this is all Pelicans all the time. Welcome to In the Know, where we are doing a podcast after many moons, brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag, our fun sponsors of the pod. Mason, what is up? Haven't talked to you in a long time. You're in the New Orleans area. What's going on, my man? Yeah, um, came back home, seeing my parents for the first time since uh, January, which is it. It literally feels like five years ago, which I'm sure everyone can relate to for this year specifically. But I uh, took my first flight uh, on Monday since February, and that was a 
it's still like, you know, every part of, of what you're getting into, like the rules at the airport and on the planes and like, it's still surreal. Wait, I don't know what you're getting into. Describe, describe the process. <laughs> well, just like all the, like, you know, the, the, the airport looks totally different than what it used to. I mean, I, I was there at like eight in the morning, but still like most places, most restaurants and stuff are open there. A lot of those, those places are like in, shut down and granted my sample size here is one. It's uh, the, the Detroit airport. Um, but, um, but yeah, it would just look like it, it was, it's a ghost town, relatively speaking. And it, I was there on a Monday morning. That's like peak consultant business travel time typically. And so you expect like a, a big crowds and there's no one there. Um, you know, everyone's got their masks on, of course. And it's just, it's just a different experience. And then the plane too, was just like, they, they hand you like, or at least Delta did, uh, they gave, uh, like a zip, like a sealed bag with like a snack and, and a bottle of water. And like, that's like the one time to go to the cabin, um, and then like, I mean, everyone, like it, the, the, it was pretty seamless and credit to Delta again. I don't know if every airline's doing this, but they're not selling middle seats. So, um, if, I mean, I felt, I felt safe, uh, the, the whole time. Didn't know, no concerns for me. It's just, it's just still like a, it's different. Like it, it's still, even though we've been kind of doing this in real life for months now, it just feels it, the, doing something that I used to do so much, which is travel like for work and, and just getting back on a plane and having this totally different experience was kind of a little surreal, even though it's, it seems like it should be the new normal at this point. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I have not traveled in a very long time since January actually. And mm-hmm. have no idea when I will next. It, it feels like, like legitimately the last time I traveled for work or one of the last times was when we caught up in Atlanta to watch the Pelicans. Oh yeah. Uh, Good times. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so here for, um, here until next, next Tuesday. So, um, spend a little time with parents and, uh, other family, which is nice. How you been? I've been good. Been, you know, avoiding these storms that have been coming through here. Uh, me not doing anything personally, the storms, I guess, have missed us. So we've been lucky. Uh, but you know, just hanging out in new Orleans, not really much to do here anymore with everything shut down unless you try to go to Tracy's and um, which is also shut down now. <laughs> Kudos to them. Oh man. Yeah. What a, what a couple of days, huh? The, the just, in, in, I don't know what the, the goal is for posting a video like that, except to, and then to follow up with those comments about if you're scared, stay home. Like either there, he could have, they could have avoided that shit so easily. <laughs> if don't, play dumb games if you don't want to win dumb awards that's just the, that's the moral of the story kids sure. anywho i feel like speaking of dumb games we can transition over to the pelicans and what's going on with the nba as a whole the pelicans are still in the midst of their coaching search it's kind of been radio silence on what is actually even going on there mm-hmm. a couple organizations have already hired a coach the bulls recently hiring uh, Billy Donovan. So that is a big development. Uh, there was some buzz on whether the Pelicans should go after Billy Donovan or not, but um, they chose not to. Um, wasn't there another organization that recently filled a, a coaching position? Um, we had, uh, I mean, we talked about Brooklyn uh, last time. I oh, think. yeah, Steve Nash. Oh, maybe not. Yeah. No, but. yep, yep. They got Steve Nash. So. They were also one of those teams where the name Ty Lue has been attached to them, and turns mm-hmm. out they weren't really ever interested in Ty Lue. It was Steve Nash the whole time. 
No. And the Ty Lue stuff, which is funny, we'll, we'll get to, but uh, the Pelicans haven't really made any news. So if you're hearing weird things, chances are it's probably not true because this thing is very close to the chest of the front office and yep. they really haven't been leaking anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I, I, what Griff said about it the, the day they let Gentry, they had the presser about Gentry was that this is going to take time. And so I, I, you know, I, I respect that process. You know, you don't want to make rush to a decision um, and not even saying like, I know the bulls kind of turned around pretty quickly, but they saw a guy they thought, you know, it, it, that who was, who they sold, the, the vision for that, you know, how they see the future of the franchise. And um, they, they went and got their guy. And so, um, you know, not, not saying that you, that rushing things is always bad. I mean, if you, uh, I mean, I, I think you, regardless, you should make sure you're interviewing a, a, a number of candidates that you feel like are, are capable of doing the job rather than just grabbing the first guy you think sounds good. But I mean, I don't think any, I, I think there are not many people out there who would say Billy Donovan is not a, a good hire for, um, for the Bulls, I think I is he the best hire? Who could possibly know that? But I think he's a he's a solid choice. Yeah, I talked to a lot of people um, around, I guess, kind of associated with the Pelicans, and there was a lot of enthusiasm about Billy Donovan. Not, I'm not talking about like David Griffin and them, like as a candidate, but just as a person. A lot of people thought that they spoke very highly of Billy Donovan. Um, thought that he was a great coach, a great human being. Thought any organization would be lucky to have him. So. Seems like the Bulls are making moves and they have a new GM, a new coach now. And the Billy Donovan move would seem to imply that, you know, he left OKC for not wanting to be part of a rebuild. Then maybe Chicago wants to speed things up a little bit. They've decided they've been in the lottery for quite some time and it's time to get back to some winning ways. And they do have the assets to make that happen. It's going to be interesting to see how they, they approach that. Yeah, but but even like within, if you want to call, you could probably call the Bulls a rebuild, just like you call OKC a rebuild. But there's different stages, right? And so the the Thunder, if you assume they're going to trade Chris Paul, they're they're they've got this this bevy of picks, and that's gonna they're they got a longer way to go on their rebuild efforts, I think, than the Bulls. Even you know, even if they're not a playoff team next year, they've got some some pieces, and and you you can see you you could see if you feel like some of these guys have been underutilized, how they can um, make that push, especially given the excitement that came across about the Billy Dobbin hire from your boy, Bradley Beal. Are they going to trade for him today or tomorrow? Yesterday. And how, and how Beal is already in place. They're going to trade for Bradley <laughs> Beal. They're going to sign Joakim Noah, and they're going to be the third best team in the East. <laughs> I, 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 we, we, can, we can have a podcast when that happens. I do feel like you the can... Bulls have enough assets to pull off a Bradley Beal trade. Can we talk about that for a second? Hold on. Yeah. They have they have Zach Levine, who is a young talent, but and or salary matching, depending on how you feel about him. Um, they have Wendell Carter Jr. They have Laurie Markkinen. They have Kobe White, and they have the number four pick coming up. That's a lot of assets, and obviously any future picks that they hold. They they could be a dark horse team if Washington ever wants to move on from Bradley Beal. That's there's a team right there. Those those are those are a lot of players. I, I struggle with. The, I, I think you have a wide range of assets there. I mean, I think I think Levine is a solid asset. I think before, we were originally questioning that contract, but I think he's. I I don't know. I don't. I don't think his defense is so bad that it makes him a bad contract. I think it's. A, I think it's a at minimum slightly positive. I, I just. I like how he's grown his game offensively uh, this year specifically. But um, 
but I think, uh, you know, marketing is, you can have the same conversation that we're having with Lonzo with him. It's like, you got to make a big decision with him in a year. So that's tough. Wendell Carter Jr. is definitely, an, I, I like him a lot. So I think that's between him and the four pick and however you feel about Levine. I mean, I think definitely and, and, to your point, and there's Kobe White they, and there's future yep. picks. I mean, yeah. look, if, if, that, they can do it. if the thing is between that and Gary Harris and, um, a trash pile of whatever the hell Denver has to offer or, you know, the, the, whatever Brooklyn has to offer. I feel like Chicago can easily put up a, a trade that matches or exceeds whatever those other two teams may want uh, for Bradley Beal easily. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, they, they definitely have the pieces if they wanted to get it to get it done. And if the Wizards had the desire to, to move him, um, which, I, I'd imagine if the if the price is right, why wouldn't they? Right? If that's they're going to hang around the they're, they're going to hang around the, the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, they they've got to make some some move. Yeah, who knows? You know, it'd be funny if they end up sending Otto Porter back to the the Wizards as part <laughs> of the salary. That would be quite something. Anywho, I feel like we've talked enough about my my best friend Bradley Beal. We can move on to more Pelicans related stuff. We're kind of like zoning back in on the coaching stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk when Steve Nash was hired. Did he skip the line? Is this another instance of where um, black coaches who have been grinding for years are being overlooked and not being given the same considerations or even former top tier black players mm-hmm. um, like a Chauncey Billups maybe being overlooked and, and Steve Nash skipping the line. And do you feel like that conversation is going to, color how the Pelicans approach their coaching hire? Hard, hard to say, because I feel like it's all, um, I, I think as long as you take the process seriously, um, then no one can fault you for the, for the results um, in this situation. So I think the issue with, with Brooklyn and with Steve Nash was exactly what you said. It seemed like they just, that this came out of nowhere. And did they, did they hire Jacques Vaughn with, or did they interview Jacques Vaughn even with the, like any inkling of an intent to to actually hire him or was it always Steve Nash from the start? And it was just a disingenuous process. And so that, that's the, that's the issue I see. And so, and I feel like we haven't heard much about that from the bulls and and where, I mean, I think Billy Donovan again was a strong hire for them is what was their process? Like I wasn't as close to the bulls. Uh, I I think they were, did they interview like Wes Unseld and and I don't know who else they interviewed, but yeah, Mark um, Spears tweeted a list of like eight or nine names. There was, there was quite a few names that they went through. Yeah. And so like, as long as, um, and we can never really know how honest or genuine some of these processes are, but as long as, um, you know, the the Pelicans take their time and, and really consider, um, candidates from, um, you know, a multitude of backgrounds, whether, and not just, you know, demographically speaking, but, you know, in, in other, other forms as well. Like, I, I feel like um, I, I won't fault them for the process. What the, the, the problem comes in when you interview like, like three people and, and it's just like, it's very clear from the start who, who you're targeting and there's no, you know, everyone can kind of predict where you're going to go with it. So um, we'll, we'll see, but, and you know, it's all about the, the process. Yeah, I agree. I think the Pelicans, if you look at any kind of their recent hiring history, they've mm-hmm. been pretty diverse in, in who they hire. I mean, you look at their organization, there's Trajan Langdon, a GM, there's Swing Cash as a vice president. There is um, Bryson Graham as the assistant GM. You know, the, uh, Dell Demps was prior, prior, uh, here prior to David Griffin. Alva Gentry was just a coach. Prior to him was Monty Williams. Um, 
I don't think anyone can ever say the Pelicans don't do their due diligence when it comes to all possible candidates. So we should continue to expect that to be the norm, um, regardless of, of who was hired as a coach. And, but, you know, something I find interesting is the Pelicans have kind of been linked to Ty Lue day one um, with his obvious association with David Griffin. And Ty Lue has been, quote unquote, the favorite in like four different places. Like first it was Brooklyn. Um, currently it's Philly. It still is kind of Philly, maybe in, in New Orleans and maybe in, in Houston. And, you know, it turns out he was never really a, um, a favorite in Brooklyn at all. It was, it was just Nash, Nash, Nash um, with a little bit of Popovich uh, misdirection there, but it was just yeah. Nash, you know? And mm-hmm. with Philly, it feels like, okay, well, are they going to go for D'Antoni or are they going to go for Ty Lue? Who knows? But my point with Ty Lue is it seems like there's a, his name was thrown out very early in the process and kind of everywhere. And it seems more and more that this just is uh, really good agent work where you, you get your name attached to pretty much every big name, high profile job, um, uh, job position. And, and if uh, teams feel like there is a market for you, they rush to overpay you, they rush to give you what you want. And I kind of feel like Ty Lue's market is dwindling um, or it's certainly not what it was where he seemed like the, like the guy that everyone wanted from the get go. Yeah, I feel like the agent work piece is, is spot on. And it's, I think the important part of how you phrase it was um, that it's about the money here. I, I think I don't think there's concern from Ty Lue's camp or from Ty Lue that he won't get a job that he wants. Because um, I think he's got the resume. He's the, he has the experience, every, all the above, like he'd be a great coach. Um, but the, the the question is, how how much can you make him in demand? And what can you how, what, what kind of what kind of money can you put on the table or years for, for him? And so I think that's where maybe they're starting to lose some leverage. Um, and so, who, I mean, who knows what he really wants? I, I think still you probably put Philly as the, as, as the favorite of the remaining teams. I, 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 I kind of, I, the Rockets would surprise me, I guess. Um, it just doesn't seem like as much of a fit as like Philly or, or even New Orleans would be, but um, just cause you don't know, like, What's that? What does that Rockets team look like in two years? There's a lot of uncertainty there. Where at least, like in Philly, you've got this young core. In New Orleans, you've got a younger, less less far along core, but still like players you can you know build with. Um, you know, and the Rockets are a little tumultuous while they're probably you know they're still pretty good right now. Who knows how long how much longer that can go on with the way their player the, the age of their players and all that. So, um, so so yeah, I, I'm I'm very curious, and I, I certainly wouldn't rule him out of the conversation for New Orleans at this point. Yeah, it'd be it's going to be fascinating to see where he ends up, and not only where he ends up, what the actual monetary deal is. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I would be surprised if he gets the full seven million per year that he kind of wanted from the Lakers. He may get a longer term deal, um, like a four or five year term deal, but I'd be, I'd be shocked if if it comes out to seven or or more million dollars a year. But weirder things have happened. Who knows? And I, I think we're at the point where if anyone is confident about what's going to happen with the Pelicans there, they got something to sell you. Um, I, I don't yeah. believe that anyone truly is in the know about yeah. what you I mean. I think you can make, I think you can make logical assumptions, right? You can make the logical assumption with Lou if you wanted to where, okay, well, Brooklyn's kind of out of the picture Philly. If they really wanted him, they kind of would have, they, they would have 
had a deal done by now and they wouldn't be flirting around with, with Antonio or some other coaches. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chicago already hired someone. OKC is probably not looking for a championship level coach that is going to oversee a rebuild. Uh, Indiana, maybe, you know, they were also another team tied to Mike uh, D'Antoni. Uh, something would have happened by now. Okay. So if all those options are kind of iffy at best, then you circle back with the Pelicans. You're like, okay, well, this is his be best bet. He has a connection with Griff. They're going to get something done. It's only a uh, matter of money. Okay. I, I can see that logical process, but to be sure um, that's going to happen. I, I don't see it. I mean, you could basically play the same game with Kenny Atkinson. You could be like, all right, well, you know, he doesn't really fit all these other teams. He has a relationship with, with Trajan. Um, he should be the presumptive favorite uh, for the Pelicans. And, and really, I, I just don't think, I don't feel confident it's, it's any one person. And I'm not even confident. You know, I think Woj mentioned today um, on ESPN at some point that the Pelicans really haven't had any formal interviews. And if that's true, then it, it's kind of supportive of the fact that, okay, no one really knows where they're going. Yeah, I mean, is there uh... – so is there a guy or, or, you know, is there a coach that you feel like is a legitimate candidate for the, this job who you are maybe lower on than other people? Um, and I know we've, we've, we've talked ad nauseum about how it's hard to know much about these, the coaches and how they're, you know, how, how they'll perform. And it's a lot about, you know, their, you know, also some of the assistance they bring with them. Um, but is there anyone that kind of you're, you kind of puts you off and you would not be thrilled about? No, I mean, the people I won't be thrilled about, I don't believe, are candidates for the job, you know. I'm, I won't be Fair thrilled enough. about Jason Kidd. I don't believe yeah. he's – Yeah, besides him. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't be thrilled about Mark Jackson, and I don't believe he's a candidate for the job. No, right. so the answer is no on that one. I, I do mm -hmm. think that there are candidates that fans have mentioned that they would be happy with that um, I haven't heard great things about around the league. Uh, mm -hmm. that I'd be shocked if they're in any kind of consideration with, with for the Pelicans. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people, a lot of fans get excited about the next um, next big shot assistant off of whatever team. And yeah. there's no tried and true method of hiring the right coach. It really has to be the correct organizational decision that aligns with the philosophy that your front office has and the philosophy that your players are going to buy into. And, mm -hmm and there's no right way of finding that person. Yeah. And has the right group of people surrounding him too. Right. Him or her, I guess. Um, because right. I, I think, I think that's, that's a key point too. And I think we'll get into that later on. I think that we had some good questions come in um, around specifically around the coaching search and, and what assistance may stay here versus, versus not. And I think that's an important point too. And as we've talked about with Gentry is that, you know, have putting guys like, like Bizdelic, Ehrman, Finch, those guys, uh, you know, that are that are well respected around the league and also are, are good basketball minds. Putting those people together, I think the more smart basketball people you have together who can push each other and to think critically and think differently about how to approach a game plan, I think that's important. You can't just rely on one head coach who who, who you think is some mastermind to, uh, to to really call all the shots correctly all the time. Like I, I don't think even like even like Greg Popovich, I guarantee you that's not how it works in San Antonio. He, he's not. Uh, he's not the type of person who doesn't want to be challenged by his assistants on some on different uh, perspectives on how to approach approach certain things uh, with the offensive defensive schemes things like that. So uh, I, I think that that's that's almost as important as making sure that you've got the right people around that head coach to um, not not to say they need to be the brains of the operation, but they need to have um, you know good 
viewpoints that can be, um, you know, to create real diversity of thought and improve the overall outlook. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. The wait is over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still bet on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Kind of pushing the topic to something else, uh, but catching up on what's going on with the Pelicans. The Pelicans starting point guard Lonzo Ball has switched. Starting what? Starting point guard Lonzo Ball. Hmm, okay. Hey, I just read whatever's <laughs> written on the media guide. <laughs> Got it. Has switched representation to to clutch sports, and I think this is an important topic to discuss because there's a lot of emotions attached to the name Clutch, given what the fans went through last year with with Anthony Davis and how that trade situation was handled. But um, I think it's important to kind of break down this boogeyman and why. Lonzo may have made this switch. So a brief history on Lonzo's representation, uh, 18 months ago, you know, he had his own representation. He was still part of the big baller brand. Um, in April of 2019, so April of last year, he switched to CAA, uh, which is an agency I believe Zion is with as well. And they're a really strong uh, agency. I believe Jason Tatum is uh, on that agency. I believe there's a lot of movie stars in that agency. I don't believe they all share the same agent, but it's a really powerful um, agency that spans across many entertainment platforms. So that's who Lonzo Ball was with in June. So he, he, ba- he barely made it a year with CAA. In June, right before the bubble, he switched over to Rock Nation with LaMelo. And LaMelo uh, switched over to Rock Nation was immediately, I think he was given a Puma deal um, before he's been drafted. And so they switched over to Rock Nation Then the bubble happened. And now he switched over to Clutch. So there's been four representation changes in the last 18 months in in less than two years. Um, I believe that's significant because if you keep changing representation, you're likely not in love with what you're being told. And 
maybe that's true for the first time. Maybe that's true for the second time. But it's if it's happened four times, then I feel like there's a little bit of a self-reflection issue. And with what happened with Brock Nation, he signed with them in June. The bubble happened. He played really poorly in the bubble. The Pelicans have had all this time to talk to him about extensions. I'm sure Rock Nation tried their best to negotiate something. He didn't like what they came back with. And he's probably like, you know what? I'm going to go to Clutch. And Clutch is known for getting its clients what they want. And they're really aggressive about getting their clients what they want. And for the most part, it's worked really well. You know, it worked for Anthony Davis. It's worked for Tristan Thompson. It's worked for Eric Bledsoe. It's worked for J.R. Smith. It's worked for a lot of their clients. There are those rare situations like Nerlin Noel, who has been on minimums ever since he turned down that four-year $70 million deal. But for the most part, Clutch is really good at what they do. And part of it is because they are so aggressive and um, they come off as shameless, but they're good at what they do. Every, every athlete should want to be with them, right? And, and so given that representation, seems pretty obvious why Lonzo signed with Clutch, given all of that's happened in the last month or in the last three months or so. And so he's probably not happy with what the Pelicans are putting on the table for him and is, I suspect, going to head into restricted free agency rather than come to an agreement about any kind of extension uh, this summer or this offseason. Yeah, I, I think that that line of or that logical thought process is, is it's it's spot on. I mean, it's and we can't know for sure, but I think even before all this, we assumed that if there was any extension getting done, it was going to be uh, Josh Hart probably and not Lonzo and that they would just let that play out to restricted free agency um, just because there's, I feel like there's more uncertainty there um, and, and there's there's more of a gap, I guess, too, between what Lonzo thinks he should make and his market value and what the Pelicans think is a fair, fair contract for him. So um, yeah, all, all the signs point to him just trying to cash in um, wherever that happens. So there, you know, there's, I, I see very little chance that any deal gets inked before, next next uh off season and that, that's assuming you know Lonzo's still still on the team if, if they get the sense from from clutch that no matter what unless Lonzo truly has a revolution next season and to his credit that he's every offseason he's had so far except for or pretty much every offseason except for the bubble or if you want to call that an offseason he's you know he's been injured or he hadn't has a chance to really work on his game the way he would like and that's that's um, a lot of the things you'll hear sometimes in defense of Lonzo. And I'm sure that's part of what, um, you know, his agency will say or, or in, in terms of his negotiations, but, you know, at, at the same time, um, you know, you, you can't, there's too much risk in where the Pelicans are right now to pay for something you don't, you know, you don't have confidence in never seeing um, or, you know, it, it, and so I just don't, I don't see a path for them to come to an agreement um, and if the Pelicans really don't see him ever reaching the level of performance or even or in the next year, feel like they'll be able to get comfortable with level of performance that's in line with what Clutch is going to push, then I, I mean, the chances of him getting moved go up too. And so that's, um, you know, uh, all interesting uh, subplots to this. Yeah, I mean, I think what's in line for Lonzo is a contract that's between 20 to $25 million if he – works his tail off and gets really good and becomes a consistent level 
player because that's the market for an above average point guard in today's NBA. That's what's in line for him. And clearly he, his extension talks haven't been anything close to that. And he understands that. And that's why he's going with clutch, but he has to earn that. He has to earn every penny of it. And right now you look at Lonzo and you're like, how can I justify paying you more than Marcus Smart is making? You know, how, how can you justify that? Whereas his agency is going to be like, mm-hmm. look at what, what Brogdon did. And, you know, he averaged similar stats, something like 13, you know, six and six or whatever it was. Very similar stats on the, on the Bucks before he got paid $20 million a year. And they're going to point to like, okay, well, Lonzo's younger. He can get better. So that's kind of how the negotiations are going to go down. And it's all going to depend on how much Lonzo improves. But, you know, my, my personal stance is, it's difficult to buy into a contract year work ethic mm-hmm. if it wasn't there before. And so I'm still hesitant to open up the checkbook for a player who to me, they, they would have to be remarkably consistent. And if they were similar to what they were past year, where, you know, you have streaks of really good play and streaks of just non-existence, I can't justify opening up the, uh, the checkbook. So if it was, yep. if it was consistent elevated play and, and just complete buy-in to a role, whatever that role was, um, that's what is going to make me comfortable paying him. I just have a hard time seeing like him seeing himself and thinking, Oh my God, this is a contract year. I'm a number two pick. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to commit to this three and D role where I am a facilitator in the open court, but not really in the half court. And I'm going to, you know, do what's best for the team. I think he's going to be like, I'm a point guard. I'm the number two pick. And, you know, I'm going to try to, I think he's going to try to do too much. That's, Mm -hmm. and frankly, if he tries to do too much, that's probably a better side of him because there are games where he's just completely invisible. And so I'm interested to see what that looks like and interested to see what contract year Lonzo looks like. But Mm -hmm. um, personally, I'm not optimistic. It's going, the end result's going to be, me being satisfied with uh, paying him big money. Yeah. So I guess so that's a, a question I had was um, I think in terms of like what's realistic and what's not, I think it's, it would be unrealistic of us to expect Alonzo to suddenly be a guy who drives a lot and gets to the, you know, gets to the rim and can do that without turning the ball over, can, can get his free throw percentage up, not to like 80%, but at least something respectable. I think those are all things that like, it's just, very uncommon in the NBA for players to suddenly go from bad to good at something like that. So especially in one year. And so we're not going to see that. We just got to kind of expect that. So I guess my, my question would be if he does that play out that first scenario you said where he, he, he is the player he was last year, but more consistent. So, um, you know, the, the three point shooting doesn't have just craters in certain points. And obviously there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, in, inherently there's some variation there in three point shooting, but, um, he, he gets more consistent three point from three point range. He, um, you know, his defense doesn't take as many, uh, doesn't have as many lapses is more, more focused. He's, um, you know, more effort and just better. He just shows overall improvements just from another year in the NBA, but he's kind of the same player in other aspects. Um, but doesn't try to do too much. Um, what is there? I, I feel like the problem there still is that clutch is going to want, more for him than maybe that type of player's market value is. And so like, what's, you know, where do you, is that Marcus smart money? Is that, could you justify paying him more than Marcus smart money in the hopes that he starts to improve other areas? 
um, in, throughout the next contract? What's, you know, wh where would you stand there? And do you think there's a, there's a middle ground between if you're negotiating with Clutch on that? Yeah, I mean, for me, and everyone already knows my stance and my bias, so call it whatever yeah. you want. But for me, it, it has to be complete buy-in to that role. And, and demonstration that this is what I'm choosing to be good at. I'm going to double down on my strengths, which are defense and, and, and uh, pushing the pace and um, just being a disruptor, that kind of play. And, and then kind of in, in the half court being that connector that he is, if he's, if there's complete buy-in to that role, you know, I feel comfortable giving you more than market smart money, but anything short of buy-in to that role, I, I, I don't want to give you more than market smart money. I just don't. And it, I know Clutch is going to want the most money possible. So it's with, it's on David Griffin and it's on Clutch to kind of figure out what that destination is and who's going to be willing to pay him, whether it's an extension this summer or, or they're going to be happy to pay him as a restricted free agent and, and make that trade happen. That's, that's my position. And we keep saying Marcus Smart Money, but for reference to, to folks, that's like 12 to 14 a year ish throughout the life of that contract. So, um, and I, and I, I share your, I share your perspective on that. Um, and even so, like, I, because like, ultimately I think when Lonzo's like 26, 27, he is going to be that player. I think at some point he's going, whether it's his second team or his third team or whatever, wherever he's at, there's going to be a realization that I am not a half court point guard and he's going to be that player. And he's going to be a really, really good player when he starts focusing on only those areas. Um, I just have very little confidence it's going to happen next year in a contract year on this team of all teams. Yeah. Yeah. A lot to ask. Um, and so I don't, we, I don't want to get into in the weeds on, on this because the next, the next point that this would lead to is what we talked about last time is like trade or trade or, or stick it out. And so I don't want to, you know, we, I, I think we can probably probably move on, but I think, but yeah, um, good discussion on clutch and very interesting decisions to come for new Orleans in that front. Um, so let's see, we got, uh, so playoffs, huh? Some stuff's yeah, been happening. <laughs> the playoffs, lots been happening. The Nuggets are way further than I expected. They even pulled off a win against the Lakers, which I did not expect. Um, you know, Anthony Davis has been really good and I know people are still salty about him and they have every right to be. I, I think Anthony Davis is a very good player and he's just showing what he can do. He's finally, you know, it's, it's like you have a, a Ferrari and, and the engine you've been given is Tim Frazier. Um, you're not going to have good results, but when your when your engine is LeBron James of all people, then you're, it's going to be very very good. So good for him, good for the Lakers. I still hope they lose. Um, I'm not very optimistic they lose. I think at this point they're just going to win it all. But you know, I, I do hope they lose. And but the Nuggets have been incredible. Jokic has been a bona fide super superstar. Jamal Murray has had uh, a breakout. You know, he, he's looking like the looking like Steph Curry out there at times mm. and they're just a really fun team to watch. Meanwhile, in the Eastern conference, Jimmy Butler and the heat are doing crazy, crazy things. And the Celtics heat series has been just a total grind. And I'm excited to see what kind of chess matches in uh, for the rest of the series. I hope it goes to seven. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, if you, eh, I guess I haven't really seen a lot of, uh, fatigue on the Eastern Conference side. I guess I've seen it much more in the West in the West. Both both Lakers and, and Nuggets, I feel like there's definitely some uh some fatigue setting in on both those teams. The Nuggets have obviously played three one, come back from three one both times. And um, you know, I think the Lakers are trying to do just enough to get by to keep preserved because like even LeBron played thirty seven minutes last night. And like I feel like if they were truly 
concerned about the series. He would have played more than 37 minutes. Um, but also I saw, a, a, you know, I saw his, there's a, I can't remember who tweeted out, but there was his, uh, his second half numbers in the series so far have not been good. And so you, you, you ultimately wonder how much of his fatigue for him. And, you know, he's, he's, a, you know, when he wants to be he's still the best player in the league, but he's also, um, you know, the, the stamina is going to fall off at some point. And who knows if this is kind of the first sign of that, or if this is just him thinking he can still preserve uh, energy and still, they can still, you know, get, get by here. But yeah, I mean, it's been, um, it's been fun. Uh, I just, the whole experience, I feel like we're seeing generally speaking a higher level of basketball with the lack of travel um, that has, that's on schedules um, just players being better rested for whatever reason you want to call it, whether it's travel or other uh, extracurriculars uh, out, you know, as when, on outside of uh, you know, the, just the road trips, but um, yeah, it's, it's been fun to watch. And uh, do you have a, do you have, I feel like a fun question is whether, which team in the Eastern Conference you feel like has a better chance to take down the Lakers between Miami and Boston? Do you have a strong opinion there? I feel like I have to go with Miami. I just feel like they have more of the personnel to make life tough for both Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Because here's what I keep coming back to. We have not seen LeBron backed into a corner yet this playoff series at all. He's been He's not been uncomfortable once. You know, Anthony Davis has not really been uncomfortable once. Sure, he had that one game against the Rockets where they denied it, but that's not really like like discomfort. You know, in order to beat the Lakers four out of seven times in a series, you're going to have to make life excruciating for for them. And we still haven't seen the positions where LeBron was put into when playing Golden State um, over and over again. There's been nothing to kind of draw that out. And Frankly, like the Celtics, I think are very good. I just don't know if they have anyone that scares LeBron um, or or can can do it collectively. I think Anthony Davis would feast on that team where I feel like with Elise, with Bam and, and the versatile players that the Heat have, like Crowder and Iguodala and Jimmy, um, they would have more success there. And I think they're more perimeter and guard-oriented plays better suited to punish the Lakers than the wing oriented play of, of the Celtics. But I don't know, maybe I'm completely wrong here. I I've recently fallen into that camp before I was thinking Boston. Um, I think, but I, I, I might even reverse course on that again, uh, depending on how they can, how quickly they can integrate Gordon Hayward's. Cause I feel like um, he's just another, another piece they can throw at um, not defensively, but just like another weapon on the wing and like the, the depth that, that um, you know, that, Boston has there um while they don't match up as well I agree with you totally like that the BAM matchup I'm super excited for if it happens between BAM and AD um and then similar uh, like Jimmy Butler and and LeBron I mean I feel like I feel like that's a more fun matchup to watch on a game uh, on a night in night out basis but I mean I could see the number of playmakers and 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 good you know wings on Boston being a problem for for the Lakers defensively, um, the question is: Can they? Can it be enough of a problem to actually win four times, like you said? So, I to to, to me, I, I do lean slightly towards Miami being the, the better matchup or, or having a better chance to take down the Lakers. But it's it's still pretty close for me. Yeah, I agree. I mean i I want nothing more than the Lakers to lose. So, whatever makes it happen is is what I'm going to be rooting for. Which is why it's a little bit disappointing the Bucks and. Uh, the Clippers 
kind of failed in the way they did. The Clippers was particularly interesting. There's been a lot of chatter with them. Do you feel like they're going to, you know, one thing I find interesting is I feel like Montrez Harrell has lost a lot of money Mm -hmm. in this bubble, a lot of money. And, you know, there's something to be said where a guy is a useful regular season player and there, there is value and utility to that because you need to win regular season games. But man, there was, the Clippers were really disappointing in, in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I, I'm not going so far as to think that every, they blow up everything there. Um, I think that was a, that was probably a hot take. They got fired off pretty quickly after they lost. And like the, I mean, the reality is that they do only have one more year to figure it out before this free agency to concerns. But um, you know, I, I, I think they, you know, I, I'm their off season got more interesting to me because I think your point around Harold is very fair. I don't think, you know, he, I don't think they're going to want to pay him. I'm, I mean, but also there's not much cap space out there elsewhere. And so maybe like they go over the cap to keep him or sign in or sign and trade because of the tax or apron issues. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's um, certainly, I, I'm very curious to see what, what happens with their roster this off season and how they try to, I, I, to tinker on the edges and, and get themselves more ready for, um, for the big leagues. Cause it didn't seem like they were ready for it this time. Well, what was most concerning to me was the reports and the tea spillage that are coming out of the Clippers locker room mm-hmm. immediately after the loss. A lot of finger pointing, a lot of blame, and yep. a lot of people pointing fingers at Paul George, which, again, he was spectacular in the, in the playoffs, but he was actually really good in the Denver series. He probably was their best player, second best player on, on, on average, and everyone else kind of sucked. But Paul George had a good series outside of that game seven. He had a good series. And – to me, there's something toxic going on in the locker room, and I, I just don't know what the source of it is. And, you know, you hear about how strong of a culture the Clippers have had in the past and with Doc Rivers, how he keeps everything, um, you know, he, he keeps everything under wraps. He He's a great coach in that regard. And you wonder, like, where the hell did it all come from? Like, what is actually wrong with them? So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they do do move off some of the pieces that just don't belong in the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and some of their guys just, I mean, it, they're getting more one dimensional and guys that maybe you can't play like, like Lou Williams, good example. And, and Harold too. Like those are, like you said, six man of the year candidates in the regular season. And all of a sudden the playoffs, uh, they've got to defend too. And um, you know, that's it, you know, the, the, the team with Harold in there just by itself, it's uh, it was, a kind of a dumpster fire um and, and the, i mean the, net, the people made a lot of net rating but like it was still like you know ironically he was probably one of their better players in game seven one of the few guys who was get, getting things done but yeah I, it's i'm very curious to see how they tinker with the roster to become more playoff ready like they i think that maybe the clippers just kind of thought as long as we load manage and rest guys enough we'll have we'll, we can beat people from being well rested in the playoffs in addition to our talent and I think they really, they learned the hard way that it's going to take, you know, having the actually having the horses, not just, you know, making sure that the, the few guys that you really want to count on are, are, are well rested and healthy. Yeah. All that load management stuff went out the window when there was a four month. Yeah. You know, fair, every very team, you know, it just, it all went out the window, but you know, kind of enough talk about the Clippers, but I think the one thing these playoffs have showed me is it's really, really hard to win in the playoffs it's really really hard to win one NBA game in the playoffs and Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer that the Pelicans as they are are just not ready 
at all to compete. I mean, let's say that you, you get in the playoffs, you're going to get demolished by the top seed. And I don't know how valuable that is. I don't know if it's worth, if it's worth pursuing that kind of goal at the cost of assets. Um, I've already written about this. I, I would not, you know, obviously I want the Pelicans to be good. And I want them to compete for the playoffs. Um, I just don't want them making any silly moves that unnecessarily pursues the goal of making the playoffs at all, all costs. That's the thing that I'm advocating against. And I hope they continue to, to pursue that plan. Yeah. Yeah. Fully agree. Well, I feel like this was a good wrap up of where the Pelicans currently are. Uh, thank you for listening to pot part one of our podcast. Tune in next time for part two, where we answer your questions. Simplify your federal agency's technology procurement with Connection Public Sector Solutions. Connection's dedicated account managers, commitment to exceptional customer service, and extensive catalog of federal contracts make IT purchases quick, easy, and affordable. Turn your challenges into opportunities and get rid of your technology pain points with Connection today. Learn more about what's possible with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts. What's up, everybody? I'm Bladen. I'm Matt. And I'm Theo. And we are Stay Hot, the only podcast that gives you the hottest analysis and takes on the NFL and NBA all year round. I know that there's a lot of losers and haters out there who don't think three sports TikTokers can hang for a full pod, but, you know, we're going to prove them all wrong. We're about to dive deep into the NFL draft and are already hitting the NBA playoffs. So watch Stay Hot on YouTube or listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.